passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live, everybody, welcome to the Post Wrestling Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, but we did not come alone on this Thursday afternoon joining us live in studio. Damien Abraham himself has returned. I am honored to be back. I met people all over the world that have asked me when was the next time I was going to see you guys, like in New Zealand, in Australia, in a bookstore. Last week on Bloor Street West, you know, I've really? met people all over the place asking me about you guys. So to be here in your presence, it, it, I, I'm, I'm shook, a little starstruck. True or false, you were on your way uh, down Queen Street? I was on Bloor Street West. On Bloor Street West when a random individual came up to you. I went to the bookstore where this person worked. Okay. And I said random individual who I've never met until this point, or at least I did not think I had met until this point. Maybe I had, and I should feel bad about this, but came up to me and asked me, when is the next time you're going to be seeing John and Way? And I said, well, actually, funny enough, I'm going to be seeing them next week for a podcast, and but I'm actually going to be seeing Way in about an hour for lunch. And he said, can you please give him this book? <laughs> and he busted out a book for me to give. Was this at Way. the BMV? It was at the BMV. Was this Mike? Yeah, it was Mike. Oh, okay. Now yeah. this all comes together. How did you even get the story if if you didn't know who it was? Uh, t- I, dude, that's <laughs> that's my job. I just I, well, I got, out, I, got I got recognized for not for the lifetime commitment to a band that I put in, not for this wrestling TV show that I made. No, I got recognized <laughs> for being the once in a while, whenever they'll have me guest of the post wrestling network. Our coattails are very durable. So I tell you, just, I'm just latch on, okay? I'm riding like it's like a, a a speedboat. I'm just holding on for dear life right now. But it's funny, even in, even in Australia, New Zealand, like I was not lying. I met multiple people that came up to me to talk to me about being on your podcast. You sit straight into the camera. Just repeat that. These this are the is, guys. This, this is for our, the guys worldwide. Hey, you know, people in the chat room right now are listening all over the world. I listen. These people call deal. in like oh, man. every time there's like a foreign accent on there. I'm like, yep, worldwide. I'm in a spectacular mood right now. I had some significant internet problems this morning, which I had to convey to Waiting because I was immediately worried about this show today. Oh, we were very close to doing this podcast on John's couch. And yeah. At, in or, my apartment. or moving and setting up at Way's place, which would Or been... your house, Damien. Do you remember we did in the lobby of the building that time? In oh. The, in the back uh, lobby? Well, of... we, we yes. started to do it, and it was yeah. very loud there. That's true. Yes. Then we had to go upstairs eventually. So... I tried everything, rebooting my modem, doing all this stuff, and the the speed is just horrendous. I call into Rogers, and 
I draw this individual who is going to just troubleshoot everything with me on my laptop. It was like playing broken telephone as I was explaining what I'm seeing versus what is happening. So he said, well, let's, let's just disable the uh, Wi-Fi adapter. It's like, okay, let's do that. So now I have no internet. It's dead. And when I go to troubleshoot, nothing is happening. And he tells me, well, this is starting to get beyond what I can give you advice on. <laughs> It's like, so what are you telling me here? He's like, well, I could suggest that you get a network 5G adapter that might be cheaper than getting tech support. It's like, okay, that sounds like an idea that I will not be entertaining. So is this, is this where the call is going to end? He's like, that's the advice I can give you. Best of luck with everything. It's like, I just want to recap that I called you with slow internet. I'm leaving this call with zero internet. He's like, yeah, but you already have a problem with your Wi-Fi adapter. It's like, Thank you. Thank you for establishing this problem. It is worse. Have a great day. So I had to go meet you for lunch. I have no internet at this point. Come back. John Pollock was able to get hooked back up to his Wi-Fi adapter. Thank you, Google. And now everything's fine. It's, uh, I've got driver, I have updates here from my drivers. The internet speed is at, is there any problems, Way? Are you experiencing any issues? We are perfect right now. I believe it's a laptop-specific issue and not... Because my phone's fine, your internet is fine. Well, now I know who to go to for my uh, Apple Genius support. Don't even come near me. I (laughs) cannot offer anything, but I was really happy that I solved this issue, and now things are fine. So when this whole show crashes in 20 minutes, I'll be in a much worse mood, but now I'm on cloud nine. I remember, you know, John Pollock mood scale, sale at TNA just before we go live to a podcast being the worst mood I've ever seen you in. Um, and then, like having to review a deathmatch show, being kind of the medium mood. Uh, you were <laughs> sorry, kinda, sorry, sale of TNA. What? When just before you weren't here that time, but just no. before John and I did a podcast, this one was time, the Spike TV story. The Spike TV this story. Was, oh, they got the, kicked off the network. That was it. They got kicked off. The story network. broke on a Sunday night, and you were coming to record with me Monday around noon. Yeah, something like that. Not the most ideal time. No, and... I could see John writing the story as he looked in my eyes, like he, he's like just like looking into my eyes, like Damien, I love you, but I do not want to be doing this. Do show. Do not right want now. to be doing the show. I would say that the mood, you know, even though we cheered up during lunch, was kind of like closer to like, <laughs> be, you know, made you watch a death match kind of vibe. But now, seeing John beat a computer problem. One of the greatest moods I've ever seen you in in my entire life. Now seeing the three faces of Pollock. I, you beat a Dell problem. Like you beat the Dell. The, like and then it's like so many times I listen to the show and the Dell bests you, you know, but finally you kicked that ball from Lucy. You got that. I was I was so stoked when you fixed it. I was like, God damn it, you You know it's gonna be a good show. It's how, gonna be a good show. How, how was lunch? Amazing. That restaurant is incredible. Way, yeah. thank you for the uh, Location was a 10 out of 10 because it took me totally. 30 seconds to walk to. Yep. The food was fantastic. What did we get? We got the... Cow uh, soy. Cow soy. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Get the cow soy. He got oh, it with yeah. tofu. I went wild. I got it with the chicken. This thing was fantastic. It was excellent. It's, they make it instantly for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a couple minutes wait. Yeah. And I was saying, like, you know, like... They're affordable, too. This thing was 11 bucks. Okay, forget the food. How... I want to know about your interaction. I want to know about what you guys talked about. Uh, We met. We met. Hug. We we, we did the hug Hug. low. I got the ultimate throw ride right away. And then we got the curveball when all of a sudden we're walking in and Damien's like, yeah, that guy at the counter, that's my brother. It's like, oh. Pull the cameo off. Yeah. Can can I name drop here? Yeah, totally. I got to meet the elusive Tristan Abraham. Yep. Unplanned. 
I'm planned. Like it was wow. just like. So hey, your brother works in the area. He works in the area, and he was going to go get sandwiches. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to this amazing Thai spot, meeting up with my friend John. And he's like, oh, change my mind. I'm going for Thai. And then I see John as I'm, I'm like standing up front. I'm like, my brother's the guy that just walked in. And he was like, oh, wow. So I got to make the introduction. You know, I, I think feel. Damien knows everybody or is related to everybody in the if, city. If you saw these I have two one together, brother. There's not a lot of people I'm related to. You would never assume these two are related. No. You, got, you really. two could not look more different. But get this. John, John like, made my uh, ego uh, inflate two sizes bigger when he was like, so is he your older brother or younger brother? I was like, God damn, John. Thank you, buddy. What is uh, the age difference? How much older are you? Uh, I'm, I'm three years. Okay. Yeah. It's or the two. ballpark. Oh, Jesus. That's okay. It's just my phone. But okay. it's, it's Survivor. Um, no, I think three years or two years, depending on the time of year, you know. Three years or two years. Okay, great. Okay, so I understand. It's yeah. kind of similar to me and my brother at some times of the year. I'm two years older and yeah. sometimes one. Yeah, and we're pretty close. And, uh, you know, I've been close for a long time and stuff. He produces my podcast, so I'm very happy to get to finally introduce him to you, John. You know, When's after- he going to be a guest on your show? He he has two versions of his episode recorded, and both he refuses to let me air. So they are really? locked in the vault. Yeah, I've I've made him. I well, I made him do one, and then he's like, "No, can't put it up. Let's do a second version of it." We did a second version of it, and he's also you know put the kibosh and putting it up. And because he produces the show for free, who am I to say, "Screw you!" I'm putting it oh, up. I anyway. wonder what the, the uh, do these podcasts go deep? I don't think so. I just think he like doesn't feel he does our story justice. I think he carries a lot of burden because he feels he's got to tell my story through telling his story too. Wow. So, but yeah, well, we have recorded some, you know, I had my parents on, you know, it was, a. Uh, I'm waiting for that. Man. Waiting, oh, guys, re- that's one gimmick you guys have not explored yet. The parents, the parents, I'm waiting for, um, Max to to make his on air debut. At Max could definitely like, you know, what you should I mean, do? he's been heard in the background. I think you should maybe do uh, the Saturday morning slam. Find the run of Saturday Morning Slam. Oh no, uh, uh, death matches. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Big Japan. His his entire world in terms of uh, entertainment consists of the movie Coco. Oh yeah. He watches this movie. He's had to have watched it thirty times in the last month. My- it's just that's the only thing he ever wants to watch. And when the movie ends, it's more Coco, more yeah. Coco, and he'll just. You, I could literally play this movie all day long, and he would watch it all day <laughs> all long. Day he just have to turn the TV off because he would he would just watch this over and over. When we have dinner, he wants the soundtrack for Coco on. He loves this movie. I've never seen such an attachment to a movie. I have, I have never sat down and watched this movie, but I have just through bits and pieces I can put this whole movie together in narrative form. You ever watched it? I've never watched it. Oh, it's it. a fantastic... Have you watched it? No. Well, neither of you guys oh, seen this, it? This movie was a monster. It's a good movie. I, it's it, a, it it's a great film. Like, Very sad. Be, yeah, be, be grateful. It could I, be way worse. It could be Trolls or like something really obnoxious, like the Smurfs movie. You know, like at least good music. So your your oldest is how, how old right now? Uh, Holden's 10. And he's starting to get into wrestling? He's always been, been kind of a fan of wrestling, like, you know, like always in the sense of like since I showed it to him. Um, it's just, you know, finding product engagement has been difficult, but you know, AW I think is, is a little more, you know, it's, it's something a little more that he's kind of into like the actions fast paced. I think that's what he wants to see. And also, you know, he knows some of these guys, especially cause like, you know, a couple of the guys were on the TV show. And so he knew, you know, from seeing them around when we we're doing the TV show. Um, so I think, you know, AW seems to be the one he's responding to the most so far, but I'm hmm. still, He's the only one out of all his friends. Like, I think that's, to me, the most 
kind of frightening thing about the industry right now is that, you know, people are talking about like the numbers in these shows are still doing, you know, they're doing great numbers, higher than expectations, but you don't see a lot of little kids getting into it. And you kind of need little kids to be the next generation hardcore fan base. Who, who is best equipped to capture that audience? I don't know. Like, I really wonder, like, I talked about this with Way a couple uh, weeks ago when we hung out, or a week ago when we hung out. Just, it, it seems like no one's really, you know, I love, I, I love AEW, but it kind of reminds me of WCW. But I'm also, like, an old man, you know? Like, it doesn't engage my kids in the way that YouTube content engages them, and the mm-hmm. way that you know, uh, the flash TV show engages them. Like, it just feels like there's gotta be a new way of presenting this product for this younger generation. That's just like, yeah. And it's such a, it's such an overarching subject. Like what is going to capture a young audience? I don't feel I'm equipped to know what's going to connect with a eight or nine year old. Like we, we look at things in such a simplistic way that, you know, certain characters, Oh, these are kid friendly. Like when I was in my teens and, you know, 13, 14 years old, like the hot thing was DX, which is not aimed at kids, but was popular with kids. And I don't say that would necessarily work today, but I think sometimes we just look at, you know, the, um, you know, it's just such a wide brush you're trying to cast to grab a fan just through one act. Uh, It's it's going to be, I I don't know, you would really have to tune into that specific audience and see specifically what, what appeals to them. And and wrestling might not be something that they're they're watching in large numbers. Yeah, like, and I think they, like, when when they watch the in-ring product, like, what's not to love? Like, it's like watching an action movie, you know? Like, especially now, like, the stuff that people are doing. But it's getting them to sit down and pay attention to it, to focus on what's happening enough in the ring. Like, I think that's the thing. And I was wondering if Lucha Underground maybe missed the mark by trying to go adult. Like, maybe if it was something that was aimed at young kids, like, that's something. Maybe it has to be more fantastical to get this new generation of kids in there. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what the closest thing to professional wrestling may be that might be popular with children. And I'm, again, I'm not the person to ask either. You might be more equipped. Probably, to I, probably YouTube in general. Like all these people are kayfabing it, you know, mm-hmm. like when you watch a YouTuber, they're presenting you, you know, like this but, sort of, but that's strictly personality. Is there something that's, you know, sort of a pseudo sport, maybe even a sport itself that is that popular with children. That's very personality based as well. I don't know. Like maybe it's Twitch kind of gaming, you know, like that seems to be like where esports, you mean? Yeah. What kids like, like it's funny. Holden loves up, up, down, down, Mm -hmm. you know, like that to him is, is like, you know, he watches that probably more religiously than he watches any consistent wrestling program, you know? And it's just like, like I look at AEW and I think that they have certainly the ability through a Kenny Omega with, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, what you just outlined there with the, the young bucks with, you know, a luchasaurus, like it does seem like they have a lot of d- diverse characters that could cross over numerous uh, demographics. And I, I've always thought that the best kind of theory is you don't just like narrow in on one specific audience. You just try and, you know, present the best product possible. And hopefully that will trickle to numerous demographics rather than just saying this is who we're aiming for and narrowing it. I wonder if that's going to work though now, because like that that definitely worked in the the eighties and like the the rock and wrestling era, because that was when you still had people gathered around the TV and everyone watched, and even before that, like you know wrestling on television history, you had people gathered around the TV together to consume it. World of Sport in the UK, you know, great. You hear stories about grandmothers with their their grandkids showing them World of Sport wrestling, like you know. But now, 
entertainment is so individualized. Like I wake up in the morning, my youngest is on an iPad, my eldest is playing Switch, and my my middle child is watching something on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is so There's personal no, what you're into. Yeah, yeah, like it's not communal. It's not know. communal anymore. And so I wonder if a wrestling product trying to serve all these different audiences is ever going to be successful because what entertains me isn't what entertains them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we watch stuff together because I want to be engaged by what they're mm-hmm. engaged with, but what actually, you know, so in a wrestling product that's trying to, you know, impress people like yourselves and myself, you know, like a couple years older than you guys it is not going to be what impresses like, you know, Holden, my eldest or, or, you know, even kids like Max, you know, like the super young kids who, who are also engaged by media now, like watching Coco a million times. Can you, are there certain things though where you do feel like it, it, everybody is drawn together? And I'm thinking about you know and total divas with your dad. Total divas with my dad. Yeah, uh, I, I shudder to seriously think, every time you bring up total divas, you're watching it with someone. I, I am. Yeah, you say you watch it with your but, girlfriend. But I mean, that person does. Those people aren't watching Raw or SmackDown. They have very little interest in. in those but the point things. being, like, there is a product that is a few degrees away from your wrestling product, but is. Consider WWE content that is at least reaching someone like your girlfriend that would never watch anything else. I don't know if she would watch if I wasn't watching it but personally. But I mean, I think it, 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 the fact that it's existed for this long, and I don't think we've really seen a spillover from like an E audience to a WWE no. e audience necessarily suggests that it's more of a fan of like the Kardashians or E itself that's watching those shows because they are in that style rather than, you know, people that might be interested in wrestling. And the benefit but, maybe is the specific uh performers on total divas versus a jumping on point that oh i want to see i i want to see wwe as a result of this yeah yeah but i'm thinking about you know like big sporting events like i mean the olympics or like you know recently the raptors uh bring a lot of people together i'm sure your kids were maybe yep. watching a little bit of that yep definitely can should wrestling be kind of maybe modeling itself more towards that yeah, and I think that's like the, you know, like it's it's funny. We, in in kind of like this sort of North American version of, of entertainment capitalism, you know, the idea is to just dominate the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be the biggest wrestling company imaginable. But then you look at Japan and it's like you got companies that are like, well, let's just maximize our audience. Let's just be hyper-focused on this group of people and, and what they're into and what their interests are. And I think like, you know, that's kind of where it's going like you obviously have things like the raptors win but that's just like mass hysteria like i think mm-hmm. people watching you know wrestling with you or watching total sorry total divas with you it's because to them i think it's a kick that they're able to watch something that's not wrestling but it still somehow intersects with something that you're really yes. excited about mm-hmm. and I, you know like i just i wonder if wrestling if it's now more a case of you know, let's just hyper-focus on this audience. Like, let's not try and get everyone, because mm-hmm. you can't get everyone anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's just be the best company we can be for this people, this group of people here. And, you know, and maybe that's what WWE is doing right now. Like, I did you guys go into the SmackDown rating? I haven't heard what the SmackDown rating was during the NXT TakeOver. Did it go down? Like It went up. It, it went, went up. Was, it was up, yeah. So what, how, was it up big time or like a, or not? It was up, well... You throw out the FS1 number from two weeks prior. It was up. Um, the final number, like hundred. It was about a hundred thousand, yeah. give or take. It's kind of funny because, like, uh, you know, talking to, I interviewed a, you know, plug for my podcast at this point, David Starr, smooth, uh, <laughs> just integrating it completely seamlessly there. Um, and he was saying that, that to him is a sign of, of, of undercutting labor because it showed that there's that labor's replaceable. 
You know, they can just like, if one roster is sick of it and, you know, just refuses to do something, they can just replace them with another roster, you know, and this oh, whole yeah. thing of like, yeah, no one being bigger than the company. Like mm-hmm. that's been that thing that we've kind of heard, you know, slipping out for years about the kind of like ethos of things in this present day. Mm-hmm. That also serves the fact that everyone's replaceable now and you can always just like stick in a new group of wrestlers that's just going to, the audience is going to tune in no matter what. Like their product is kind of set in stone. The audience is kind of set in stone. I, I think that there's certainly a degree to that, and WWE has greatly insulated themselves with such a deep, like they've never had more performers under contract than mm-hmm. they do now, and I, I think it only it only strengthens the argument that you could never envision this entire roster getting onto the same page where they could uh, s- systemically create a change and more leverage for themselves. So that's certainly something to the WWE's favor. Um, I think that certainly Friday benefited greatly as well from the unknown, from what what was yeah. the show going to be um, with, with like a wholesale roster change. Uh, I, I think they'd still do very respectable numbers. Um, I, I don't think it's a real threat that the WWE has of this generation uh, being able to push through anything and, and look at the ability that the WWE has been able to do to negotiate these TV deals that they don't have to cut into uh, revenue sharing with a players association. They don't have to be able to sit down at a negotiating table to go through uh, practices with, with their talent. I mean, they have been able, much like the UFC has been able to do, they they are able to pretty much uh, direct their company with autonomy and they're and you have the talent that is just happy to be there and also knowing in the back of the, my mind that if I step out in line, I will be the outlier. I will not be with the majority and can be replaced. Yeah. No, definitely. It's uh, it's kind of amazing how here's this company on the brink of disaster. You're reading about it on the afternoon. And that was the one play. I don't know. Maybe people saw that coming, but I just I can't believe I just didn't think of, oh, they're just going to bring up everyone from NXT. And it's like, and then it's like, oh, how would they replenish NXT? Well, they could just bring up everyone from Evolve. Like, it's like almost like they've insulated themselves where they have these incredibly stacked rosters. Like, they've got basically four access to, not in progress too. So, NXT UK too, and that whole world. They've got all these like huge, like stacked rosters all over the world now where they can just kind of like, like you're saying, like everyone, like there's no Hogan, there's no Rock in Austin. Like, people keep saying, oh, who's going to be the next Cena? No one. It's now just going to be a whole roster of, of, people that are kind of just below that in popularity. But at the same time, you know, with the rise of an alternative company and alternative mm-hmm. companies, it, it does give more power for somebody who, if they, for whatever reason, they're not happy with working with this particular company, gives them the option to help build the other thing so that maybe the other thing becomes sort of the, the uh, uh, you know, another main pillar in the whole industry. Yeah, like it's so. been, it's been an interesting week. Obviously, the stuff with Bring Him Honor, I guess, like that's one player who's kind of like, position in the games kind of changed uh big mm-hmm. time this week but otherwise like you know you've got impact putting out great products you've got nwa putting out an interesting product yeah. that's that's doing something different and then you've got new japan launching the american division you've got you know an incredibly still incredibly healthy uk independent st- scene uh, there's just like a lot of opportunities you're right like you don't have to you can still just take your ball and and go to a different field like you don't have mm-hmm. to go home anymore. You can go to a different, a different place and play, um, if they let you. Like it's interesting to see like how they're going to handle this ACH thing. Like I saw the other day, or or what's his name in WWE? Jordan Miles. Jordan Miles. Sorry, yeah. um, 
one of the coolest people I ever met in wrestling. One of the nicest people I ever met in wrestling. And I saw the other day, he's like, I'm giving the company a deadline to respond to me. And I don't know if they've met his deadline to respond to him yet, but I think he's still just like, just waiting. I haven't heard much other response. No. So. No, it's, I mean, they're in a situation where I don't think the WWE is in a position where they could, they could fire the guy. I I think that the optics of that would be terrible. Um, That it may just simply be, however they are, waiting this scenario out and figuring out what they'll do with him next. But it's a very, it's a very difficult situation to imagine him just, uh, boom, coming back to television and resuming uh, his career without, um, just because he has been so vocal about it. Yeah. A lot of uh, topics we want to get to, we're, we, we might chat a bit about uh, last night's shows, if uh, anybody wants to talk about those, um, but, you know, maybe what, what else is going on? You Have you had a chance to check out NWA Power? Uh, ratings coming out later, but we probably want to get to some phone calls sure. at this point. So Skype us, search for Post Wrestling, or call us, 1-732-800-4423. Long distance charges may apply. Uh, yeah, get your chance to talk to the two of us as well. As what did you think about NXT last night? From what you've gotten, to I see. really liked it. Um, I thought it was uh, the integration with the OC. I thought it was really smart, considering that like they could have went with anybody on that main roster, and I think they chose individuals that number one hadn't been in NXT in the past, so they they obviously in character don't have much loyalty. And secondly, I mean the context is that you are seeing the Bullet Club invade. NXT and that of course very much appeals to that same audience that's watching NXT um so I love the way that all that turned out I was not enamored with the lack of finish in the main event I thought that was sort of weak um but you know the Finn Balor tease again playing right up directly the Bullet Club references I think all of that was very smart it felt like a really yeah you built the whole show around getting to see them wrestle at the end by introducing them first so I thought that was a good hook I think you could have tried to direct people more to NXT rather than you tune in and find out they're there Mm -hmm. um, because that's to me what was the value of them and I'm guessing they were relying a lot on Buzz getting you to switch over the channels I don't know when the plan was to get the OC over to to NXT Um, I tend to agree with you I think it would have been most beneficial to get that raw audience aware that something was going to take place on this Wednesday show rather than having people that were probably going to tune in Wednesday anyway find out so yeah. is this all born out of them not being able to get the the wrestlers out of Saudi Arabia? Like this whole thing? No, they were going to do this anyway. Gonna, this was already a well. A I mean, might have been sped up, but Survivor Series was always going to. I so mean, this was going to be going to be three way. Okay. Yeah, it's just wild how how invested it is this quickly in it. But I guess mm-hmm. this was the play all along. It worked out in their favor. Mm-hmm. But, and, and next week they're you know going to be on well the uk tour it kicks off this week and they're doing a double taping on friday so they're going to do smackdown followed by taping raw so raw is going to be taped friday for monday's broadcast crazy that is a marathon if you're going there live for five hours of tv oh, yeah with, with them being the uk do you think we see any nxt uk integration perhaps you could you could do yeah, it depends if they're going to have a role in the pay-per-view. Yeah, which is... Uh, I could see them maybe having some involvement, but I think you want to keep it NXT proper because yeah. you want to be building to who's going to be present at the pay-per-view, and NXT UK is kind of separate from that. Let's get to Let's some of these the uh, phone, phone calls. Uh, we have a lot of people who want to talk to Damien, so uh, if we can ask all of our callers to keep it a little bit briefer than usual. And we start off with our man, Neil. Neil, what's going on? Hey guys, hey John and Way, and hello Damien. Hey Neil, how's it going? 
doing re- I'm doing really well. Neil from Northern Ireland. I don't think we've well wait, I know we haven't spoken before, Damien. No, but I've heard your voice I, a lot, Neil. Oh God, right. Maybe I call a bit too often. But um I'm one of those guys who did go to my grands every Saturday afternoon and um you know, we would sit and watch World of Sports. So that's an interesting reference that you threw up there. I thought that's that's a um you know, it, it feels like a very UK slash Irish kind of um, experience. And uh, God, you know, I remember being a little kid and when Dave, when Dave Finley came on going mad because he was from Belfast, you know, it was wonderful. And yeah, I don't know um, how you get to a, a product that can just bring in everyone in that way. But I, I really phoned just to say, Damien, I'm a big fan. I love the wrestlers. Oh, thank you. Um, and I, I was uh, I, I listened to you on uh, the Jimmy Jacobs Doesn't Know podcast very recently there. Um, I thought you came across brilliantly on that. You're a fascinating guy and um, just uh, I am a admirer. And uh, uh, His head is it. just getting way too big, Neil. So <laughs> let's, let's don't don't, don't worry, Neil. Go on. Don't let John interrupt you, please. Let me try and mute him here. <laughs> Uh, I love John Away as as just as just as much though, and they but they know that. No, I but, appreciate uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say that, that that's a, that's a very interesting podcast. I think the Jimmy Jacobs one, and and he's you've done each other's uh, podcast now, I believe. And um, if you could have a word with your new friend Jimmy and get uh, either John or Way or both onto that, that would be excellent <laughs> because he gets very deep, and I'd be very interested to hear what they what these guys. Um, take is on you know determinism and uh, synchronicity and all of that <laughs> i wonder have john have you guys ever been interviewed together in a podcast format like deep dive interview style because i've heard you guys both interviewed separately we recently did a interview with toronto might um which is a local podcast oh, yeah. talking to a lot of broadcast professionals and actually this sunday i don't even know if we are are we supposed to talk about this well what, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do um uh uh, Alan Cross's uh, podcast talking about just like podcasting in in wrestling podcasting specifically. So very we'll cool. Yeah. Look at that. The ongoing history of John and Way. Yeah. This is the Beats and Geeks podcast he does. I know, but I'm just you know putting into the the pop cultural universe. Well, let's just get the uh, the correct uh, titling. Oh, do you that? I was like, Neil, you got a question, or or was that it? <laughs> That's it. Oh, okay. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. Appreciate Thank it. you so much. Shout out to the undertones. Yay! Yes, and stiff little figures. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, Wade just hung up on our next. <laughs> so we're just, so I was just going to start the Outcast, and we're just going to keep going back and forth <laughs> with different bands for like an hour. Um. So we also, uh, as we continue to uh, take calls on this on this particular show, uh, when is the David Starr interview going to be airing? Uh, just... I think I'm going to put it up real soon. Like, I don't really, the problem is I'm like now sitting on a bunch of like, as you know, Neil brought up Jimmy Jacobs. I'm like sitting on a bunch of different episodes that uh, Jim Smallman, a really cool one with Jim Smallman. Now I just like, I, I enjoy, it's funny because my brother who produces the show, the aforementioned brother yeah. uh, hates when I have people from wrestling on. He's like, do you talk about punk at all? And I'm like, yeah, maybe like 10 of the three hours of this podcast or 10 minutes of the three hour podcast are spent talking about that. So we got somebody back on the line. Hansi, you're on the line with Damien Abraham. Yes, the world-famous Hansi. How's it going, man? <laughs> How's it going, Damien? It was cool meeting you this summer, bro. 100%. Well, you've, you, you're you over with all my friends. Everyone I know, I'm like, 
who, who uh, you know, fan of podcasts and, and radio and the Stern Show, I bring up your name and they're like, oh my God, you know him? And I'm like, yes, I do. I met him in person, no less. Yeah, I, I felt I felt bad because when I told Wayne and John, right, normally I would expect that we would meet at a post-wrestling event, but we met at an event that wasn't post-wrestling. And then John and Wayne were like, what the fuck, no, man? No, like, don't bring it up. <laughs> Thought you guys were loyal. No, yeah. they hate me. They hate me. <laughs> Look at the shooting daggers at me right now. I like so, um, it. was busted open, everybody. Yes. It was busted open. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to, you were busted open. I was oh, busted. Hansi, you busted me. No, I'm sorry. You know, uh, no, I'll just be quick, but I just want to say that um, yesterday's promo with Cody Rhodes, man, like, the, I saw that, man, and that, I, and I, I thought people were, I didn't watch it live, right? And I thought people were exaggerating, like, oh, this is like the one of the greatest promos ever, because you know how we live in the hype beast era, era of, of stuff, whatever. But I saw the promo, man, and I, I gotta say, like, when his voice cracked, I actually kind like I kind of teared up, man. Like, I go, you know, this, this. I wasn't sure if I was gonna order the pay per view this, this this weekend, but after that promo, like, it really, it really uh, did a good job. And it's to my point that when people say that, oh, you can be a good, like, you can be a good guy and be kind of cool or be passionate, right? Like, that promo right there shows you that, like, if, if like, a heel is being ignorant or racist or homophobic or transphobic or whatever, there's ways that you can uh, take a, a passionate promo and, and you know, basically, uh, like, like, the way that Cody basically... Uh, um, like he basically just disarmed Jericho's whole millennial millennial argument that you always hear from all these Generation Xers and Boomers, right? So I just thought it was a really really good promo, and I I'm looking forward to this. And uh, I, I, and when you guys I I heard your review first before I watched it, so because of you guys like that, I like okay I gotta listen to this promo because it was really really good. But uh, I just wanted to say that. And Damien, all the success to you, bro. I'll I'll try to listen to your podcast. I seen one episode of the Wrestlers, and I'll I'll try to uh, you know uh, keep tax. I felt bad when you said I know you didn't mean it as an insult, but you said I probably listened to you more than you listened to me. And I'm like, oh fuck. So I felt really bad about that, right? So I'll try to listen to more of your shit, bro. And I I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan because and I'm glad the post wrestling guys, uh, you know Wayne John, introduced me to you because you're literally one of the coolest dudes on the planet. Oh, dude, so. I appreciate it. These guys Man, are. I didn't know this was turning into this is your life for <laughs> Damien Abraham and it's <laughs> growing ego here. Guys, I'm just here to Man. take it all in, you know. I'm just here to to, take, to be high on edibles and as long and as everyone acknowledges out. what what great contributors Way and I have been to the world at large by introducing Damien Abraham to our masses. Even though I think on a worldwide level, Damien is a uh, quite above us. Oh, no, oh my god, I was just saying like it, all over the world, I I meet people that that know you guys, and it's uh, I met Chris through you guys. Like I, there's just so much I wouldn't be doing. I said it on the other day on Twitter. I wouldn't be doing the wrestlers. I wouldn't have done the wrestlers without you guys. Like if I hadn't met you guys, there's no way I would have pursued kind of that world in any sort of real serious way. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. We go back to the phone lines and Corey, you're on with uh post wrestling and Damian Abraham. What's up? Corey, are you there? Hello? Hey Corey, you're hey. on the air. Oh, Hey, it's not Corey. It's Vish from Victoria. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Whoops. Hey, no, no worries guys. Uh, no, a big fan. Uh, actually been listening to the law since like big daddy, Don, big daddy, Donnie did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> and, like, and yeah, right on. And uh, 
And yeah, one of the first hundred Patreons back in the day too. Oh, thank you so but much. But anyway, I, I like that our start now is back in the day. So back in the, back tells me we, we, we've back been around for a minute. December twenty seventh. Boxing Day. Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, no two two quick things. Um, first, regarding the uh, the status of uh, new viewers for wrestling, I think we're at a time now. Like I'm in my forties too, and it's it's at a point where it almost seems like you've got that core audience, but like you guys were saying, trying to get new audience for, for a wrestling product in this day and age, like for example, um, my, my sister, her kid, she wouldn't want them watching wrestling because of the whole, you know, this PC culture now and, and, and having a, an entity where the whole idea is say backstage, you're assaulting people with no repercussions and ridiculous things like that. It's kind of hard to convince parents in this day and age to get their kids to even watch this even before they're in their teens. And like John was saying, <laughs> I, I, I hope they weren't watching this. Uh, Bruce <laughs> honestly. Well, that's the thing, right? Like I'm embarrassed, like, you know, as a parent, like, how am I going to yeah. explain this to the kids? You know, like I, it's awkward to watch, like, it, it definitely, like, it doesn't make it easy as a parent to bring your child into watching pro wrestling. And it certainly doesn't help my argument with my wife, who's much the same way as you're describing, who's like, I don't know if I want the kids watching wrestling. And I'm like, no, no, it's not like you remember from the Attitude Era. And then it's worse. Exactly. <laughs> well, and then you look at things like Jericho's promo yesterday on AEW, and that tongue-in-cheek sort of comedy uh, build that, that they did was I think was amazing like it was a good did, little did you get to see that Damien the, no, I saw and seen that, the but... Jericho video this thing was so fantastic it was funny um, you got to watch the Cody one before it though. I've watched the Cody one oh, actually yeah, that, yeah you, you need to watch that one it'll set up some of the jokes in the second one but uh, I heard from one person that like there was no writing in this segment it was the guys were just told put over Jericho and then it was masterfully edited yeah. like you could see like they did a really good job with that the, the beats in that thing, like, you had several laugh-out-loud funny moments in there. You had the cameo with Virgil, Soul Train Jones. It was just, like, to me, uh, com- uh, like, that that to me was just, uh, like, a video that, yes, you need to understand some of the context, but that could have fit in just uh, a non-wrestling setting as well. Like, just the the actual structure of it and how funny that came off. Did any of you... Sorry. Sorry. No, Mish. no, I... Yes. I was just going to say that, it, yeah, absolutely. It's it's still built up to the match. It still added that little bit of comedy into it. And Jericho, again, showing why they paid that guy so much to have a place on that roster. Um, my second question, just to make it brief and I'll get off the air. Um, did I don't know if you guys heard that there was a lot of back... Like, I'm from Victoria now, but I was born in Winnipeg, so I'm a huge Jericho Omega fan, obviously. Mm-hmm. But... With Jericho taking the time to interview Donald Trump Jr. and give some credence to his his book that obviously a lot of non-Trump supporters are not going to like in this day and age and with the kind of blowback that you get on Twitter, do you think this is going to hurt Jericho, AEW in general? And thanks for the time, guys. I'll get off the call. Thank Take you, care. Guys. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, so, so Jericho did an interview with uh, Donald Trump Jr., who's on his book tour uh, this week. So it, it's drawn a lot of crit- criticism that he would have him on. Um, in, in principle, I, I mean, I, I look at it that it's certainly, you know, you are, you are giving space and, and a platform to somebody that a lot of people heavily disagree with. I mean, fundamentally... I don't know how I feel about the idea that you just uh, that it just disqualifies anyone from from interviewing somebody. But I think that it also you you don't want it to just come across as like an exercise in PR for you know 
selling a book that is certainly it, it is designed to uh rattle people and to you know just just push buttons and this is a very serious time in our, our society at the moment where it's it's very divided and having to look at what are you shining a light on yeah it was a, a weird move i did not see coming you know i think uh largely wrestling kind of stays out of kind of like well i think wrestlers i should say not wrestling but wrestlers seem to try and stay out of politics in any sort of overt way i remember the rock showing up at the republican convention years ago and it being kind of surprising and like you know you hear things about people's political alignments but it just seemed like especially this this like let's not get away from like the fact like this this podcast interview do i think it's going to have any impact on aew no uh, I just watched the I, president and Donald Trump Jr. attend the UFC event over the weekend. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's like, yeah, there was a lot of criticism about that. But at the end of the day, people are going to be – like they wanted to tune into this card. They knew ahead of time the president is going to be there. And it's – I don't think it's going to separate people from you know supporting if, the wrestling company that they want to. or And also like looking at the fact that – I guess it's like certainly there's going to be a significant amount of people that don't want Chris Jericho to give a platform to Donald Trump Jr. I, I don't look at Chris Jericho to me as the person that I, I am uh, looking at necessarily for um, my, my, my politics either. So I don't know. Do, do you in principle like like Damien, what would you do in this situation that you're presented with, with a guest that you fundamentally disagree with? Do you just strictly say I'm not interviewing that person that I'm not interviewing them? It's, it's hard to do that because you're talking about someone who has actual real power. Like, it's one thing to not talk, like, to talk someone who has ideologically something that doesn't align with what you believe ideologically. It's another thing to be talking about someone who has actual power within an, a such a controversial administration. Like, it just seems like such a, especially at this point in the administration, as it seems like from at least an outside, you know, Canadian perspective, like, you know, it's kind of the final days seem to be kind of approaching in one form or another. Um, it just seems like a weird move for someone to do that. And I think a lot of AW fans, you know, are, are at least on the, in the Twitter sphere or in the online community do fashion themselves as political and do kind of view or did kind of hope AEW was going to be, you know, a step away from WWE's alignment with the Trump administration and things like that. Like it's, it's, it's a strange area that, you know, these hosts find themselves in. And I do feel like if you're in a, in that kind of a position and with that level of audience, there is a responsibility on your behalf to come into this uh, with facts, not allow this to just be, you know, a, again, a PR exercise. And, and I think that extends like it's like at this point, you know, we talked about this before we went on the air, like with Joe Rogan, who has received a lot of this criticism mm -hmm. about some of his guest choices. It's the idea that you are the most successful, most listened to podcast in the world, and you can just say, I'm I'm just a comedian. I don't think that, that cuts it. Like, there is a lot of responsibility because you are broadcasting to a lot of people. That said, I also feel that there is a responsibility on those listening, that you have to understand that... Donald Trump Jr. is on here or a guest on Joe Rogan show. They are on there to promote themselves, to push their ideologies. And you have to be able to understand and and do your own research as opposed to just taking everything in whole and just accepting. Um, so it it's a complex measure. But you can like there's there's the divide of like, do we just simply say, no, 
I will not even interview you. Or do you look at the fact that, okay, this is, this is somebody that, uh, is obviously a very important person that you can, you can discuss that you can confront as well in, in an interview. Yeah, like, I don't know, if maybe I'd have a different opinion if it turns out that Donald Trump Jr. played in some, like, raging New York hardcore band back in the day that no one knew about, but, like... But if if you were presented with, um, you know, a a prominent musician that has a very troubling past or something, um, yeah, just just something that you fundamentally disagree with that person as a human being, um, you know, that's that's ultimately um, a case-by-case basis you would have to make. Like, if I was presented with an interview with someone in wrestling that... I mean, I, I don't even know necessarily what the example w- would be, um, but I, I don't know if like my just automatic reaction would be, no, I will not talk to that person. Maybe it would be. Maybe there would. I'm sure there would be cases, ones I would not uh, want to entertain and, and talk to. It's also like it's it's because podcast hosts aren't journalists, you know, and I think that's uh, that's the gray area. That yeah, they fall in. Cause and, I, and should they be viewed as such? Yeah. Like and it's and there is a camaraderie in a podcast. So like. When you have a guest on your podcast, you're kind of saying, like, this person's cool, you know? Like, this person I'm having on my podcast, like, depends I'm cool on your with podcast. Depends, I guess it depends on your podcast, but, like, in that style of podcast, at least in the Jericho show, sure. like, he's generally having on people, maybe the Flat Earth. And let's guy. say the, the show isn't out yet. No one's heard the interview no one's heard yet. It, yeah. So it's like... Maybe he, he calls him on it. Maybe it's just, like, a super scathing political interview where he's like, let's talk about family separations as the first question. I don't think it is, but maybe. We go back to the phone lines. Corey, you are on. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, first time calling in. I uh, love the shows and stuff. Damien, the wrestler, was great. Man. Thank you. Um, I was at the AEW Dynamite last night. Um, the promo from Cody was uh, unbelievable. The The feeling there in the stadium and crowd that's the hottest show I've ever been to. And I've, you know, I've been to a lot of shows, some WWE pay-per-views and ROH stuff and everything. It's the best thing I've ever been to, honestly. Were there any, any kind of like particulars, um, about maybe things that we didn't see on TV, whether it be during commercial breaks or before and after that you wanted to get into? Um, well, Arn Anderson came out for the first dark match and, uh, he's going to do commentary for that match, which was the one that was, uh, cool. it, it was big swole versus, uh, Hikaru Shida. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they've been, uh, that was um, neat. they've been like having guest, uh, color commentators. Yeah, they did MJF this week. MJF was Taz fantastic yeah. this past week. He Who, was it was so it him and Excalibur? Yes. Yes. Uh, but you know, I, I mean, I kind of, it's, it's part of the draw of dark actually, just to see how people do. So I'm, I'm actually curious to see how Arn does, uh, anything else? Also, uh, like the Lucha Bros came out before that as well. It seemed like they were going up there to do um, Spanish, like Spanish commentary. commentary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but other than that, I don't think there was too much that you know wasn't in the show. Uh, just the crowd was just that's the best. Like I said, best crowd I've ever been to for a show. So, how, how full was the arena? Would you say um, the backs, the like the non, the non film side, the whole upper half of it was taped off. So it was pretty. There were, Definitely not sold out. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it, yeah, it came across smallest. great on television. It sound it sounded strong. Yeah, I think the like I said, the crowd. I, we were hot, <laughs> you know. So it was great. All right. Well, thanks a lot for but, the call. Yeah, thank we you guys. appreciate the live report. Thank you, Corey. Uh, yes, are, are you going to be watching the pay per view on Saturday, Damien? Um, I want to watch it. Like you know, the problem is like once again, it's like finding friends to watch it with me. Like you know, I, I don't know. If, Man, can I, can I watch it with you guys? You could come over and watch it here. Okay, I'll definitely. D- actually, Braden and Davey asked as well. So. They did ask. Yeah, they didn't ask me. Well, they asked. They asked me. But... Oh, okay. 
Wow, um, full house now. Man, Being bumped. Maybe I can charge admission. Yeah, exactly. We'll go in on the pay per view. We'll throw some you bucks. Can come over. We'll make room. We'll throw bucks for yeah, pizza. We'll get a pizza and stuff. That would be awesome. That'd be if fun. you want to come over, you could come. Yeah, over. I love that because like it's. You know, it's one thing like to watch it by yourself, but at that point, you're like, "I'll just watch it later. I'll just watch it later." You know, you watch it live, you watch it with a group of people. I think that's the the one thing I'm always going to wonder about AEW is why they didn't start running. I know obviously the demand in the very beginning was so immense, but like why they didn't run smaller venues off the bat where you could constantly fill them up, constantly sell them out. Because they were do they were like and they were they were running big events and they were filling those up. Yeah, but I mean so. even just in general like, you know, like the thing in 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 music is like build up. Build up, just build up always. Like but, but keep it l- hot. Like they, let's they look under- at last night's like okay, they they didn't fill that building. Let's say it was 65% full. Sounded incredible on TV. Yeah, it looked and, incredible. And then would you rather have let's say 5,000 people in an 8,000 seat venue versus filling a 2,000 seater? I think I'd rather fill the 2,000-seater. Really? I'd rather play to the 2,000-seater. You know, like, I'm going to look... I, like, I don't know what it's like as a, a wrestler. I've actually never asked wrestlers if they do this. But, like, as a musician, I look at every empty seat. You know, I look at the empty sure. space on that stage. You know, like, it, it's it's what I'll see. But like, if you had cameras there, does that make a difference? If, yeah, I, I guess. Like, I don't know. But I'm not performing to the cameras ever. So it's, it's, it's different, also, I It's also... I think we're starting to see maybe the initial hype of AEW Dynamite start to taper. And yeah. maybe these shows aren't going to be selling out like as quickly as the earlier ones were. But the earlier ones were selling out. They were selling out like crazy. But and I so mean... They were, they were definitely undershooting themselves. Like, when they were booking even something like a 10,000-seater. Yeah, exactly. You know? But, like, it's like, you know... Because Nikes sell it like crazy, they don't start making necessarily a ton more of these rare ones. You know? Like, you got to keep it... You got to keep that audience hot, you know, like whatever it takes. And I, I don't know. I just worry that as it dies down, it's going to become less and less of a must-buy ticket. You're right. Yeah, maybe at this point they will start looking at smaller places. But, but then look at, I mean, it, it's an extreme example, but NXT is full every week. Yeah. There's no way you would want to switch that atmosphere for AEW. No, exactly. It's a, No, that's true. It's a tiny, tiny room. But it's also, you know, how many years in has that audience been going there? And it's also like a very religious experienced type audience that goes there week in and week out you know like what's AEW going to be like a year from now yeah i just you know you watch dynamite i don't think anyone's tuning out of that broadcast no, saying awesome. oh wow that crowd uh-oh like yeah, that no the, the crowd is a huge part of these shows for me I, th- I think they they sound fantastic thus far and that's that's to me it's a real big appeal that makes the product feel very hot do you think we're in kind of a promo era? Just thinking about how NWA is like that. Thinking about the promos last night on the show. Like, you know, like we were in the the ROH era. It wasn't necessarily defined for its promos outside of like CM Punk. You know, like it was like guys like Davey Richards. You're contrasting this with maybe, you know, the more recent phenomenon of the past decade where the, the concentration was on work rate. Yeah, the work rate era. Yeah. And now it's like you kind of took that physical I mean, you to can the argue, most extreme. You can argue that Punk, like, you know, when the he pipe was, bomb was like... But he was, was like an exception during that era, right? Yeah. Like most of those guys were known for just like even... it, it, it's a hole from th- that needed to be uh, fill, filled. To me, it was a great opening for AEW that we have the ability to have great promos that are going they to have. Haven't, they haven't showcased that outside of the main event, you know. Like even guys like Moxley and Omega haven't really. I mean, Moxley, yes, but I think they could be doing a whole lot more, especially with yeah. a lot of people on the undercard. I mean, NWA to me has has really kind of used that as sort of their their you know the 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 thing that really sets them apart from everybody else. It it is, but you also you you want those promos, those those money drawing promos 
to be from your, your key guys. So yeah. I think that's, that's the most important part um, that you're getting something like a Cody promo on this go home show that I think, you know, people were just raving about this promo justifiably. Great. We go back to the phone lines now. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Hey boys, Paul from New Jersey. Hi Paul. Hi, Paul. Hey Paul. Hey, first off, I have to say, um, um, way back in the day when I stumbled upon you guys, it was through a Royal Rumble 94 uh, review, and it was John Way and Damien Abraham, and I loved the show so much that I've been a fan uh, ever since. So Amazing. always awesome to hear Damien on the show. Oh, thank you very much. I think those those uh, review aways were some of the most fun, like, four-hour experiences of my life. <laughs> At the time we're doing... We just reviewed that show. I saw. I saw, and thanks to the archivist, I, I, I saw that my original review. Our ratings was were like exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same, yeah. you know? I still stand by it, too. Amazing. What's on your mind, Paul? Yeah, you guys you guys sitting around uh, laughing about um, Bruce Hart was some of the greatest stuff uh, in my memory. <laughs> but um, maybe I'm in the minority here. Um, but with NXT last night, um, and by the way, uh, Braden and um, Dave, you're doing a great job. I yes. suggest the North American. It's been awesome. But um, I felt like there wasn't really a lot of intensity last night. It kind of felt like paint by numbers to me. And maybe I'm in the minority that, like, I thought it was cool watching the club take out, or the OC rather, take out um, Undisputed Era. But, like, and I think this is the same thing on Raw. Through these matches were, like, Tynora against Santana Garrett, which was good, and uh, Scott against Dijakovic. I was kind of just waiting for someone to jump the guardrails. And, like, I saw, you know, like, Bianca Belair's attack was so brutal on SmackDown. And I know, like, granted, I'm probably the biggest Dana Brooke fan, and I know she's not over with a lot of people, but I thought, like, seeing, like, her and Carmella go after her and be like, hey, you know, we remember what you did. And, again, maybe I'm in the minority about this, but it just didn't, it felt very formulaic already instead of kind of being that intense um, attack on SmackDown. I just wanted to get your guys' opinions on that. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people were, were focused on this week's NXT coming off that momentum and wanting to see what happened on this Wednesday show. I think they were limited in the sense that the, the SmackDown crew, I believe their first show in the UK is Thursday. So I don't think they would have had access to uh, that talent. I was even surprised that they, uh, you know, they took three guys that I guess don't have to be there till Friday. So you, you did that. Um, you know, it, it's a show that I think that over the course of the two hours, um, there is some drag. I also thought there was some drag on, on Dynamite as well. Um, and that's, you know, a, a two-hour wrestling show. At, at times, you're you're going to have that. But I think for this week, especially if you were looking for the Invasion follow-up, I think they were very limited with what their options could be anyway. Yeah, I mean, and let's, let's not forget that I think they NXT has the weird task of having to build to two separate pay-per-views at the very same time. It's very tough. So you saw a lot of uh, build, uh, you know, to war games for, for both the women and the men simultaneously trying to fit in, in this OC stuff. And, you know, the end result at the end of the show with, like, them trying to have Balor in there with Adam Cole attacking everybody and then trying to fit the OC in, in as well it could end up being a little bit confusing. I, I think it presents a unique challenge for the producers of NXT to try to, you know, simultaneously built a two big shows on the same weekend. Um, I, I really like the, the Shayna Baszler, Dakota Kai stuff. I think whatever they're doing with Dakota Kai is really interesting. I thought that was the best thing on the show yeah. was all that stuff. And then Rhea Ripley uh, choosing uh, against Dakota Kai and putting Mia Yim into the mm. War Games match. All that stuff was great. I thought Dakota Kai looked great. And yeah. Shayna Baszler, to me, was 
you know, as much focus as there's been on Adam Cole, I think this was like a breakout week for Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. who yes. just um, looked tremendous uh, showing up on SmackDown in the role she did, the sit down with Becky, mm-hmm. and then the match with Dakota Kai. Like, such varying um, facets of your performance in uh, across those three episodes. But to me, Shayna Baszler felt like such a big star this week. She feels like also like someone that's more of a slam dunk for going to the main roster. Or for being used on the main roster than I mean, Adam dude, Cole. Not that there's anyone. That. I know. Knock on wood. Asuka felt like a slam. But dunk. she like. But I like. You look at her and you look at who right. is ultimately the sure. person in charge of that main roster, and you're like, of course she wouldn't be where this MMA fighter is. You know, like this MMA fighter who I, I think even well, I think judging. You know, like I just yeah. yeah. Vince is not going to screw that up. Knock on wood. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we go back to the phone lines now. Caller, you're in the cafe. What's going on? Gentlemen, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, my goodness. Are you aware who this is, Damien? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. New Jersey, but maybe Scarborough. You know, I was in the process of... Um, oh are you going to be okay, Brandon? I was in the process of um, negotiating with, with uh, Brandon. For, for people who aren't aware, he is our next executive producer who has chosen Heroes of Wrestling for us to watch. And Another repeat. You guys have done that, right? Dude, this will be our third time <laughs> watching and recording something for this show. John is like not looking forward to it at all, and this this guy. So I was like trying to figure out like, oh, oh Brandon, when do you want to do recording? And I got I like I'm I was made aware of Brandon's working hours. Like he this is a this guy works from when like midnight to like ten a.m. or something like that. So what are you doing? I guess my question is, what are you doing up right now? It's like four p.m. in the oh, afternoon. I- well, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. Well, I don't know if you're gonna laugh. One, you'll do that. I had to get my car serviced. Oh. Absolutely, uh, I had to get my car serviced, and, and, and number two, I had to try that Popeyes uh, chicken sandwich. Oh, the Popeyes How is it? How sandwich. is it? We don't get that up here, do we? I don't know. I like. I was wondering if they're gonna do it on the relaunch. They didn't do it the first time around. Okay, is it worth the hype? Uh, I mean, it's not worth dying for, right? But. uh... <laughs> Okay. I mean, it was, it was, it's good. It's cool. Yo, it's an experience. You know what I mean? Yo, I got one for you. This, mean, this never came to America, but did you ever hear about when the KFC, when they had their all halal, all chicken breast cooked to order pop up restaurant at Young and Bloor? No, no. It was like a, an experiment they did. It was like this KFC diner type ca- cafe type thing, no. and it had the best chicken sandwich it was incredible and it was right across the street from the vape lounge it was right across from vapor central wow i would think one just uh, just funnels people into the. let me tell you it it was a one-two punch for the ages which which one was first and what was? oh you're definitely going the vape lounge first if not you're going back to the sandwich place again at the end yeah, I would. I would say maybe you 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 cross the street a few times. <laughs> uh, I could cross the street back and forth a few times. So, Brandon, when are you going to sit down and watch Heroes of Wrestling? Oh, I, I I just found it on YouTube, and I'm I'm taking copious notes, John, just for you. Thanks, thanks. Wonderful. It's uh, it's going to take copious amounts of patience to get through this show, and I will be thinking of you the entire two and a half hours it takes <laughs> to watch this thing. Which I'm already saying I'm not. I, I am not watching this. Uh, this is going to be two times the speed. This is. This might be two and a half times the speed if YouTube allows it. This is when you should try weed for the first time. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> this show's already going to put me in a coma. I don't think I need any assistance. John, John, I apologize. I didn't know that you were 
other social thirds viewing. Uh, I, I try to be as avant-garde as, as possible. You but, definitely uh, knew it was a third viewing. We know you're a sadist with these guys. You just want to punish them. Uh, uh, it's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to uh, what are, my <laughs> what else? Is, what else is on your mind, Brandon, quickly before I hang I, up on you? <laughs> uh, that's my favorite one. When he hangs up on me, it's great. Um, uh, <laughs> Um, the Jericho thing. I mean, I mean, they call themselves the woke, the woke wrestling organization, but don't you think it's kind of hypocritical that the champion is interviewing a guy to advocate, you know, wrong, harm, uh, people getting hurt, like journalists and, and stuff like that. I, I don't, I don't think it's cool, but I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's not just what do you. you. Think about that? No, there's a lot no. of negativity about him interviewing Donald Trump Jr. and what um you know, and that that decision to do so. Um no, I I think those that I, I think people will listen to the interview. I don't think uh I I don't think it's going to be an interview people will be happy with. It's it's hard to comment without hearing it, you know, for me personally. Um I and I, I don't even really know that much about like exactly what's going on politically with with Donald Trump Jr. So I'm somebody who's just kind of stepping in, in completely cold and maybe relying on other opinions. You know who's going to have a good podcast about this? Nate Milton's new podcast. Oh hell yeah! It's going to oh, be the no no and Wrestling Alliance. Yeah, to check this one and to check out on this episode, especially because it is, it's like something where like like Brandon's saying, there's like real like vitriol towards this administration because there's real vitriol coming off this administration. And like, like you said, like, I don't know if I could have this guy on my podcast and look at some of my friends in the eye afterwards. Like, I think they would judge me for giving this guy a forum more than even I'd worry about what strangers thought. I guess, uh, I mean, but say, say, say what you want about the, the, uh, the, the, the place up North, but I mean, they, they, they try to steer away from, Trump and all that stuff. I know he's in the Hall of Fame and whatnot, but you know they they, they want to keep their, their both sides of their fan bases happy. So I, I, I mean they they. they I suppose it's like, but it's it's sort of the difference of you know. I think Jericho doing his podcast is is Jericho doing the podcast, less so a representation of AEW. Now, as a champion, as as you know, one of the biggest faces like of the company, does thank you, Brandon, for the call. Um, at, you know, does he have a responsibility? Of maybe maintaining an image, maybe that's debatable. But I think we've seen right now in AEW, everybody is given a great deal of autonomy to do what they do. And certainly with Jericho having this project of his, you know, develop outside of AEW, I don't think he feels, you know, any type of responsibility. To- what What do you think about this, Nate? What is going on? <laughs> it, is, it is great. We, to come we put home out from- the signal, and he's here. <laughs> Like Candyman, say my name three times and I show up on a podcast. <laughs> what up, uh, Nate? What is going on, brother Damien? It's, it's good. To, I came home from work and, and turned on the uh, the broadcast and and to see my my former uh, super reviewer raw compatriots all in one room. It That's made right. my heart right. sing. September two thousand twelve. That's right. Yes. Yep. A memorable night of cannabis and and which, which uh, cardiac incidences and paul, paul Heyman reference this week yeah paul Heyman reference that too <laughs> nate oh, I, I know you're calling in to talk about this uh the, this subject that has been brought up several times where, where do you fall on the idea of interviewing uh let's just uh, i hate the word controversial the, these days but controversial figures which you would certainly lump donald trump jr 
as? Do you uh, disagree with the notion of just the idea of him being interviewed or just uh, your overall thoughts on how you would approach a similar situation? I think it's a no-brainer. Like, if, if somebody from the Trump administration reached out to the Kings of Sport and said, we want to put Donald Trump Jr. or Kellyanne Conway on your show, would you take this interview? Absolutely, because not only is it a a chance to ask some legitimate questions, but you're drawing traffic to my show. And so I think the, the question is, what kind of conversation is it, though? Because if it's if it's just a fluff piece and if it's just Jericho and Donald Trump Jr. exchanging stories from when uh, DJT used to watch WrestleMania at the Garden or whatever, uh, or watch uh, Raw at the Garden or whatever, it's not a worthwhile expense for the listener. I think if you're going to have somebody like that on, and it's not just somebody from the Trump uh from the Trump campaign and from the Trump operation, if it was somebody like a Joe Biden or a Kamala Harris, I don't think you have those type of guests on just to play nice. Like you have to ask legitimate questions uh, if, if if you're the broadcaster. And so it'll be interesting to see like if that's what Jericho does. But in terms of do you take that call? Do you take that guess? Hell yeah, because this might this is probably going to be one of his most listened to episodes of Talk is Jericho equally because of the people that love Trump, but also because of the people that hate Trump and want to find something to complain about. Yeah, but look at Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's still trying to live down that Trump appearance where they had Trump on The Tonight Show. Like, that's going to follow him, like, when they when he roughed with his hair. You know, like, that's going <laughs> to yes. follow him to the day he dies. Like, it's just one of those things. And, and where... that's where, you know, it's, it's something that what, when you look at it, and that was... Correct me, Nate. That was around 2015, I would say. That was about a year before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he had announced his candidacy, but had not been. This was this was pre-election. Uh, so, I mean, certainly still the, the guy. I mean, right away, he had said the, the whole uh, rapist line. Like that was his, you know, declaring he was running. So I think at that point already, that was um, certainly a red flag about the kind of campaign he was going to be running. And Jimmy Fallon is probably not somebody like I. I have a much different expectation of a Jimmy Fallon interview versus had uh, John Oliver sat down with mm. Donald Trump, and and that's what I'm looking at here. I'm I'm not tuning into Chris Jericho's show to expect uh, him to be having politicians on and having hard-hitting debate about those issues, which I then then it does go to the point that if this is you know just there for PR, for the book, uh, it's going to – it is certainly going – you are inviting that backlash. When you're Chris Jericho yeah. and accepting mm-hmm. a guest that you know is going to be polarizing, A, it's going to bring a lot of attention to this episode, but that attention is going to be both positive and negative depending on what your views of Donald Trump Jr. and this administration are. So if you're Chris Jericho, you have to understand that going in here and not be stunned by uh, the reaction here and knowing what people are going into this with their expectations, having not heard the interview, which none of us have. As to like, does this blow back on AEW? I don't think so because this is not the AEW podcast. You know, this is not something that's being aired on the body of dynamite. It's this one dude who is your champion, uh, the youngest champion in AEW history. Uh, it's your dude, but it's his show. And so, yeah, like I won't be listening just because I don't feel like it's going to reveal anything worthwhile, but I, I can't blame the dude for having the guy on the show because he's trying to pop a rating. Uh, 
I really enjoyed your first episode, Nate. You were mm-hmm. on last week talking about we it. I, I thought it was a really great job with uh, with Chris and uh, Andrew Thompson. You guys had a tremendous uh, discussion. If you have not heard this, it is uh, the NWA, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, uh, up at the uh, Kings of Sport uh, Patreon that you can go check out. The, the first episode is free. Uh, Nate is uh, not asking me to promote this, but I'm doing it on my own because I really enjoyed the first episode. Oh, thank you, sir. And it, it just warms my heart to hear John Pollock, professional broadcaster that he is, say the Nubian wrestling advocates. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun show, man. I, I think people are going to enjoy it. Those that have have not checked it out yet, um, and it's going to be something that's it's probably biweekly, uh, given our schedules. But yeah, it, it's it's a conversation about culture, a conversation about the wrestling business and and fans and the industry, and and yeah, man, it, it's. It's it's something that I think you and and I guess this is going to be the show where everybody gives John and Way kudos because I don't think a show like this exists without kind of the tone that you and Way have set in terms of conversational your conversational tone about heavy topics. Like I, I was talking with Chris about this when we finished recording, like the the show you guys did last year. I want to say about Crown Jewel, like that was a big deal in, in terms of the conversation in wrestling media. And so, yeah, without you guys doing shows like that, I don't know if we get to the NWA podcast. Uh, we appreciate the compliments. Thanks, I maybe, maybe overstated, but we appreciate it. Nonetheless, Nate, uh, you're doing a great job with that. And always great when you uh, can take some time to call in and uh, chat with all of us. Thank you. And, and Damien, I'm, I'm sure I will see you on Instagram at two 30 in the morning. One of these nights, like I don't talk to Damien often, <laughs> yes. But when I do, it's on Instagram at 2.30 in the morning. When I'm dabbing it up late at night, um, <laughs> I look forward to our uh, reconnection. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nate. All right, brothers. Um, the the ratings are not in yet, but uh, Tony Maglio from The Wrap just uh, tweeted out that NXT was within 9,000 total viewers of what? AEW last night. So wow. we're, we're talking neck and neck with uh, total viewership. Wow, so, that close. Yeah, so we will uh, we will be getting the official numbers uh, momentarily uh, once they are out. And as soon as they are, we will uh, go through those. That's wild. Oh, I wanted to ask you guys, did, did either of you catch the um, uh, countdown show? I love that countdown show. Man, that thing was awesome. So, I didn't see it yet. So they did like a half-hour countdown on YouTube for full gear. and what, was, all the, the, was the narrator Lee Schreiber? It I don't know. Like it him. sounded just like the twenty, like the twenty four seven or whoever. Like, well, the that's who HBO did twenty four seven. I mean, I don't, actor. I don't know, but it sounded that good. If not, yeah. it sounded like uh, remarkably similar and. Oh, I, I just thought it you know, was... Uh... All the criticisms that I personally had about maybe the lack of build for like Moxley and Omega and, and some of the other matches were totally solved with this countdown show because they spent ample time on not just uh, that match, of course, the main event, but also the Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Oh, and man, Ort- the promos from Ortiz, Santana and Ortiz. Ortiz was awesome. Like, that, it's so amazing that they finally are in a place that they're going to be able to get the attention because they've oh, yeah. just been like blowing up on the underground for so long. I, I think Impact did a really great job with them. I uh, think like, so too. Like yeah. I look at you know for uh, Impact, like to me they were really a product of the Scott Demore Don Callis era, and they they saw them as like a main event tag team, and I think they benefited greatly from these past two years in in Impact. It was also them before that, like showing up and taking on everyone that one year at WrestleMania, like showing up at every single event and just being like, "We'll wrestle whoever," you know. Like mm-hmm. I think they just kind of like had that kind of like they're just part of this new era of guys that just know what it takes to make people like respond to you in wrestling and and just 
Yeah. Do it. Man, they had some of the most graphic footage of John Moxley's staff infection that was gruesome Ooh. to see. It was gruesome, disgusting. but told told you exactly how serious this thing was, right? And, you know, as much as we... we, we this guy, uh, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but it, it looked like he had no business finishing that G1. Hell no. Absolutely not. Uh, but, you know, as, mu- as much as we liked it, this is the same complaint we have a- about a lot of WWE network programming that doesn't make its way onto the main 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 programming. Like, how good would some of this stuff have been on the actual body of the show itself? Instead, you're, you know, I'm sure on YouTube it'll do decently well, but not probably as good as it, it will do on TNT. Uh, so I do recommend checking that out. Let's go to one more phone call before, sure. before we get to the ratings here. Uh, and that's the man himself, Mr. Tony K. Uh, anything to say about the show last night? I'm I'm delighted you guys liked it again. I'm you know it makes it all worthwhile to hear you guys enjoy. It, so, so. Such a busy <laughs> week for you coming up in Baltimore. Uh, taking uh, your your weekly stop here on uh, the cafe hangout, Tony K. I know, yeah, and I'm pissed off to hear about uh, NXT being so close to us and ratings. But yeah, you know, I'll deal with that when they all come out. Yeah, you know. I'll deal with it when it comes. Um, I I just want to kind of ask you about something you were talking about earlier on about like kind of getting getting fans in, getting new fans interested in the show and how do you know like over the last while there seems to be such a prevalent kind of culture around bringing older guys back and older ideas back but there's one idea that hasn't come back that was so big back like in the heyday which is like factions on the main roster and like do you think there's anything behind factions not being such a prevalent thing on the main roster we see them on nxt and now in AEW, but main roster wwe we don't really get factions as much yeah, I yeah. think it's just more like a yeah a fundamental uh, decision not to go that way. I mean, in a, in an ideal scenario, uh, a faction what it can do, especially when you have two of them, it creates so many spin off matches and pairings you can do. But like the inner circle, to me, it's a great. It, it was like the the evolution model, the horseman model. It was like you have your your solid leader, and then you have your your rising star. You know, Sammy. Look at how much more over Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager are just a month into the inner circle, and that's what you want to do. It's you your established talent and lifting up the ones around you, and everyone gets over. Um, and and you don't overcrowd the group either. You don't go the NWO route where the idea is put a T-shirt and that'll get anyone over and you water mm-hmm. down the concept. You keep it to a manageable number. And I, I always feel that, you know, you group guys together. It can always be uh, a great way to take inexperienced talent and and whether it's a tag team, whether it's a faction, it can be very beneficial for younger talent. So I'm... You know, I I don't have an answer for you about why it's not explored more on the main roster because I think it can be a great tool when it comes uh, for several functions. I love it in Japan yeah. where it's like you everyone's in New Japan's in, in some sort of stable, and it just makes it like it just makes it more you know like you can have shades of gray if you have stables because then you can explain why oh why aren't all the other baby faces coming out and helping the, this baby face in trouble like oh they're not in the same stable like they have nothing invested in in helping this person out like I just think. Yeah, stables and factions make sense. But I think, to me, it's just the problem with presenting it. Because you bring anyone to a live wrestling event, there's nothing wrong with the in-ring product. Like, people experiencing it live, just like, you know, even my kids, like, they freaked out going live. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the way it's presented to them on TV. It's just something that's not responding with younger people, it just seems to me, at least. Absolutely, yeah. Is that it, uh, uh, Tony, uh, Mr. Khan? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thanks very much for taking the call, guys. and. Great to see you on the show, Damien. Love the wrestlers. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Tony. Appreciate the call. 
Um, I have an itchy nose, and I forgot we were on web camera, so it totally looked like I picked my nose oh, there. I apologize, everyone. Well, you got some no, I, I wasn't actually going to pick my nose. I had like a literally itchy thing. I wasn't just trying to cover for picking my nose way. We appreciate transparency. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, blowing at, up at all spot. corners. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, let's just look at this card, uh, the full card now for full gear. At least these are the matches that have been officially announced. Jericho Cody for the AEW title if Cody loses. He will never challenge for the AEW title again. John Moxley, Kenny Omega, non-sanctioned lights out match. Young Bucks against Santana and Ortiz. Hangman Page versus Pac. Riho versus Emi Sakura for the AEW women's title. Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky against the Lucha Brothers and Private Party for the tag titles. Joey Janela versus Sean Spears has been officially added. And on the pre-show, B Priestley versus Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, what do you think about this card? Is it enough to come over to John Pollock's house on Saturday night for? Yeah, definitely. I think it's like, you know, it's been all built to logically, too. And like, you, it's something where... You know, I just wonder if the Lucha Brothers, I guess maybe they're going to break them out eventually, but I just wonder if them not being broken out into something greater yet, you know. I think that'll come. You know, yeah. they're, they're probably here for quite a while and, you know, you might as well kind of ride them out as, as a tag team before you separate them into singles um, because they're certainly adaptable either way. Their name dropped on the new West Side Gun record that just dropped. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shouts out the Lucha Brothers. All right. And I how, saw how he much? was hanging out with them weeks ago how much have you mentally backtracked on the idea of coming over on saturday since i invited you? oh i'm really excited i'm gonna bring my dad pen i'm gonna like you know are you gonna... really coming oh yeah got it. yeah okay <laughs> yeah well, then how much have you backtracked on the offer zero absolutely <laughs> zero it's like but I, I feel when you initially responded it was 100 and i felt okay i gave you 15 minutes and now it's like okay no i i like once how do i, I get out of this once i uh what like i have no responsibilities we'll go to the thai place before we could go to the thai oh, place we should definitely. is it open at that time? On Saturday? I, I, I don't know. know. I'm down. We could also order pizza. We could do and that. And wings. We could do that, too. Um, Let's just go over our menu for Saturday night. <laughs> Let us just continue that. We can do that. But I also wanted to ask Damien, reception to the wrestlers since we've uh, last yeah. talked to you on the show. It's Internationally. Been, how yeah, it it's wild. Like it's, I, I got off stage in New Zealand on the last night of tour, yeah. went back to the hotel room, literally turned on the TV, and the wrestlers was on. Amazing. It's it's really. They, did you sit down and watch yourself for an hour? I I did masturbated a little bit and like just really <laughs> oh got into God. it. <laughs> I don't want to know which episode. No. <laughs> the Congo. Uh, just, no, I but I I they just started airing it in Indonesia. They translated it. Now they're airing it really? in Indonesia. So your voice is translated into like a different language or, or subtitled? subtitled? I think it's subtitled. Yeah, oh, it's like pretty, it'd be amazing if there was someone like pretty damn. I've cool. got like a voice like this over there. It's like wow, they really gave him a great deep voice. Um, but no, it's it's. Yeah, like it's so weird to have this show go all over the place and yeah. like, and to meet people that and it just once again speaks to wrestling as this kind of universal thing. Like I remember pitching a device and I'm like, you could literally just put this show on anywhere in the world and people will respond because it's pro wrestling. And now, you know, it's it's happening. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, still, you know. And once again, I I keep saying it, but it's it's from hanging out with you guys. You know, meeting Chris. Chris was like a translator on. A bunch of the episodes, like oh, you put the work in. Well, you know, I just got you to be and, a fan. Yeah, um, I, I suppose the natural question is, what does this mean for season two? Still up in the yeah. air. Still up in the air. I got you know, I still have every day. There's something that happens in wrestling. Like I think the last two weeks in wrestling have been ripe for greater yeah. discussion. What would be the topics to come to mind instantly if Viceland called you up and said, "Hey, give us." Three, four top line ideas of what you have for season two. What would what would interest you? Oh, I still think of going to England, covering you know the kind of like rebuilding of the indie wrestling scene in England. Obviously, progress is 
now part of WWE, but I think even that's part of the story. You know, like WWE having to react to the fact that they rebuilt this. Oh, you'd have to get your experts from the British wrestling experience. I would definitely, I would definitely reach into the fam for that. I think there's a, I'd love to do something about custom videos and wrestling custom matches. Uh, I'd love to do something about um, representation in wrestling, be it, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just so many issues that are being brought up constantly. Like, it is amazing how progressive wrestling is, and then at the same time, how far behind, seemingly, these companies are in a lot yeah. of ways. Absolutely. Uh, we still await the, the, the TV ratings from um, s- uh, last night. Uh, yeah, and just give me one second. These here. numbers, if I've seen some of these uh, on Twitter, and if they are indeed true, this will be really damn interesting, Damien. Oh, I'm excited to be uh, here for this event. Oh, wow. It's here for the like dates. This is the nerdiest aspect. Okay, I got him here. So, I um, love this aspect of it because this is like this is what we've all been waiting oh, for. Oh, I know. It makes Thursdays like, man, like like almost the the kind of like – you know, uh, control center for like how how wrestling our interest in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. All right, you got it, John. It's not loading. Okay, this you, is the hardcore wrestling fans Monday night now. <laughs> how anticlimactic! Can you open it? Oh shit! I think their site crashed. Oh god, yeah. I wouldn't doubt Just that. Okay, okay, I'm in. Okay, okay. So AEW was eighth for the night among people eighteen to forty nine. They did eight hundred and twenty two thousand viewers and a point three five among. Uh, 18 to 49. NXT was 12th for the night. They did 813,000 viewers. So, as Tony Maglia wow. said, 9,000 difference, 0. 0.30 in people 18 to 49. That, we have a fight. We have a fight, everybody. Yeah. That's like neck and neck. That's essentially like even, honestly. And what what a climb up from, from NXT. Uh, I mean, and AEW did better than last week, too. So, I mean, this means more people are watching wrestling on a Wednesday. Yep. It's still, it's, you know, 1.6 million people watching these two shows. Yeah. And you, it, got, you got you got a breakdown or? Uh, uh, I will in a second. Okay. Uh, let me just. Sorry, Damien. No, it's, and, it's, and it's still like, it's still like it hasn't dropped off. Like, it's not like a bunch of people that got interested and then were like, nah, it's still not what I'm looking for. Like, it's, it's obviously retaining its audience to a certain extent. Um, I'm, it's. It's exciting now. Now, I mean, okay, so last week AEW Dynamite did 759,000. The week prior, they did 963,000. So this number for AEW rests somewhere in between. Uh, but uh, so big gain for NXT. So AEW won among people 18 to 49, males and females 18 to 49, people 18 to 34. NXT edged them out in females 12 to 34. Uh, among males, uh, look at look at the eighteen to forty nine for for both shows though. Eighteen to forty nine for NXT is point three five, and for eight and sorry for AEW was point three five for NXT point three zero point three zero, which yeah. isn't that a it I, was it was a much bigger gap among uh, males twelve to twelve to thirty four. That was point two seven to a point one six. Okay. Then we uh, go on over here, uh, fairly close among people, 25 to 54. The 50-plus, this has been the demo that NXT has dominated, and they won it again here, 0.34 to 0.28. But, yeah, certainly I I think you have to credit the Invasion as adding a lot of interest to NXT this week um, and how close this was. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking at the AEW number, um, you know, this was the week that you have... You don't have the excuses. Like, you had NBA, and that was it this yep. week. And this was kind of where you see things um, 
kind of a fair representation of the audiences this week without anything significant sporting wise going against them. Well, it's like it's like why you've got like millions of people tuning in on Monday nights and Friday nights. Like you don't think you should tell them that you also have wrestling on on Wednesday nights as well. Like it just seems like it's such a no brainer. Like you should be introducing your your bigger audiences to these other properties that you have out there. And it took an emergency for them to to finally do it. I know you're saying that they were going to be doing it any anyway eventually, but it, like, why did it take this long? Like, this seems like marketing 101. Like, you do the ECW invasion back in the day because it's going to expose more people to ECW. Like, Vince knew that back then. It's amazing he doesn't see it now. What this is going to be interesting is this three weeks building up the Survivor Series where you're going to have, whether you you have... Uh, bodies from Raw and SmackDown appearing on NXT or even just the tease of them if that correlates into more uh, to more competitive numbers on Wednesday night I think that does point you in the direction of of doing this beyond Survivor Series and that may not be the best idea long term but if it's showcased like this was the most competitive week we have seen and I think you have to attribute uh, a lot of that to the programming on Friday and Monday leading into this and the interest of who would show up and NXT being prominently featured on SmackDown and Raw, that mm-hmm. this kind of pushes you towards more of that integration. And looking cool. Like they, they were featured yep. strong in it, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a bumper at the bottom of the screen. No, they weren't there to just be punching bags yeah. on either show, especially it's SmackDown. Like They were the stars of that show. Yeah. Everything was built around them. So, no, I, I think you have to look at that. Uh, as a positive did, way, did you expect numbers to be higher this week uh, for either program? Not really. I mean, I, I expected both to bounce back this week, but I certainly didn't see NXT climbing as high as they did. Um, and I, I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see how they carry on this momentum. I'm excited to see how AEW responds if they have a response. Uh, and I'm excited to see further breakdown of these numbers because from what I can see right now, just on a surface level, uh, they they are certainly closer than in the past. But a- NXT did edge out uh, AEW in terms of uh, females 12 to 34 yep. uh, and also uh, the 50 plus. So you wonder, like, you know, does that have to do with maybe a great emphasis on the women's division in NXT playing a part? Uh, what are these factors and how do they capitalize on it? And just to compare last week, and again, this was against Game 7 of the World Series, AEW did 759, NXT did 580, and then going back two weeks ago, uh, AEW did 963, and NXT did 698. So mm-hmm. um, AEW not able to get back to the level they were two weeks ago um, uh, either. So this would be this would be the lowest number that AEW has done if you throw out last week's number against the World Series. Yes. All right. Well, that is uh, the climax of the show. That was a, was that, that exciting? Was, that was a Damien? big build. I was excited. Like I, I can't believe you know we got a war. We got a war going on. It's uh, it's a just, war outside. Just the cable insanity. Well, Damien, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday night. I'm um, unless I get a Saturday afternoon text. That, I'll be uh, there with dabs on, John. Okay. Well, Let's tell us about your uh, upcoming podcast. Uh, yeah, I've got a uh, turn into punk. I've got some wrestlers coming up. I've got. Uh, uh, you know, an aforementioned um, interview coming up, um, you know, with uh, uh, Jimmy, Jacobs. Jimmy Jacobs, David Starr, yes. uh, Jim Smallman. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of wrestlers kind of and people involved in wrestling kind of coming up in the pipeline as well as a bunch of random punk people. And, and that's so. Turn Out of Punk, everybody. Turned Out of Punk. Yeah. There's going to be uh, constantly wrestling content no matter what my brother tells me. 
he wants on my podcast. Looking forward to it. Well, all those interviews sound uh, very intriguing. I go, think you're going to like them. I don't know about the rest of my audience, but I'll, I think they're I'll for John. <laughs> uh, you can go check out Damien on uh, Jimmy Jacobs' podcast. See him dive deep into uh, the whole existential... A lot of drug talk. Okay. A little bit of drug talk. I tell the whole uh, smoking DMT and meeting Johnny Depp story. Well, that That's you? You met Johnny Depp smoking DMT. I've never told you the story. No, okay, I'll have to, listen. Oh, I'll yeah. have to listen to the show. That's it, everybody. Wayne and I will be back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown. PostWrestlingCafe.com. Go check that out. And that is it. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>